Welcome back to the Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. Hey everybody, it's Sunny Bunch. Uh, I am uh, just doing a quick brief intro for this episode because uh, it's a little bit, a little bit different, a little different bonus episode. Uh, you know, usually I talk to somebody uh, who's involved in the business of Hollywood or some facet of the entertainment industry. Uh, this week I talked to Tony Davis about how to properly set up your home theater equipment and whether or not you need to worry about you know Dolby Vision HDR versus HDR10, all sorts of good stuff there. A couple weeks ago I talked to Will Haygood, who has a really great history out about the uh, the history of African American cinema uh, in the in the United. United States. Uh, it, it's a it's a fun interview show. This is a little bit different. It's more just of a chat between friends. Tim and I uh, had both seen Don't Look Up, uh, and we wanted to talk about it because there's a lot of politics adjacent stuff. Uh, but we also just talked about you know the state of movie going in general and uh, how much we enjoy getting out to the movie theaters. Tim uh, is finally finally getting back out there and, and heading up the uh, the multiplex. So uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy the show. If you do, hit subscribe, listen, listen in your preferred podcast player. Uh, you can. Listen Listen on Substack. We're also on iTunes and the rest. Um, so it's a fun show. Check out some of the other episodes uh, if you're new. And uh, I hope you enjoy listening. Would uh, I am Sunny Bunch, culture editor at the Bulwark, and I'm very pleased uh, to be joined on this special bonus episode of Bulwark Goes to Hollywood uh, by my my friend and coworker Tim Miller, uh, who is here. We're going to talk about Adam. Go McKay's back to Dave movie. Chappelle again. We're fighting about Dave Chappelle one more <laughs> no, time. No, we're not, Another we're hour not doing on, that. Da- on Dave Chappelle. No, okay. we're not doing that. We're not <laughs> doing that. Uh, no, we're, we're we're talking about Don't Look Up, the new film from Adam McKay, uh, who is the director of The Big Short. Uh, and uh, stepbrothers and and all sorts of uh, early aughts comedy classics like Anchorman, etc. Um, uh, Don't Look Up is a, is a slightly more serious movie. It's a satire uh, set in the the world of of uh, Washington D.C. and and Hollywood and the, the world of science and TV and media and everything. Every how everything is conspiring uh, against the efforts to promote. Uh, a solution to to climate change, but it, in this movie, it's not climate change, is it, Tim? It's not. Uh, it's no, not it's a big change. fat meteor. It's headed right for it's, us. It's a big a fat comet. meteor. Technically a comet, not a not a meteor. It's technically a, a comet. It's ten to fifteen mile. How long? Ten wide f- is it? It was between six and nine kilometers. Kilometers in, wide in distance, I believe yeah. was was the 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 number the number got tighter. It was a big the fucking rock. Big Rock, Big Rock hurtling toward Earth, uh, is discovered by a PhD candidate played by Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, I'm just going to use actor names in this. I'm not going to bother with any uh, any any character names. Uh, I think Jennifer that's Lawrence. The point of one of a movie like this, an ensemble <laughs> Jennifer, cast of famous people. Jennifer Lawrence discovers the rock, uh, and then Leonardo DiCaprio uh, calculates its orbit. And they uh, realize it's going to smash into Earth about six months from when they discover it. They go to the president, who is played by Meryl Streep. And Meryl Streep uh, and her son slash chief of staff, Jonah Hill, just kind of blow off the scientists because they're worried about their Supreme Court nominee, who is a sheriff slash uh, 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 OnlyFans pornographer, as best as <laughs> I, I can like tell. A, uh, yeah, I like uh, he is, David he is, Clark, but, but hot, <laughs> but thoughty. But yeah, but uh, but not. Uh, and she, so she's too busy with that to, to take care of the end of the world, which is coming uh, at you know ten thousand miles per hour, uh, hurtling through space. Um, uh, so they they go to the media. They go to the media in the form of uh, what are essentially stand-ins for the New York Times, and I guess Morning Joe. Is that is that fair to describe? You think Morning Joe? I would I would have described it as like the Today Show or GMA. 
Well, it's definitely cable, right? I mean, it's. Def- I feel like it's definitely a cable news program, but it, maybe it's maybe there's a, maybe there's it's a little GMA. bit more of the. So- it could be a little bit of both. There's a little bit more of the soft, you know, kind of. We're gonna do a cooking segment. You know, there's, that's know. true. Yeah, yeah. That is true. Yeah. So I, so anyway, morning uh, morning news. Uh, New York Times. They both they both essentially bail on this story because uh, you know they don't like sad things on the morning news, uh, and they don't like things that don't get social traffic. Uh, at the New York Times. Um, and uh, from there, the president actually has a change of heart because she needs she needs better press. So they're like, we're going to fight this asteroid. You're going to get a comet. You're going to come with us. We're going to fight the comet. Uh, and uh, in the midst of all of this, a uh, uh, Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs-like figure comes along and says, actually, we should capture the comet and crash it into the ocean and mine it for its metals. And so this and is your capitalism started tingling there. So this is this is the moment when I said, oh, finally, somebody has a good idea <laughs> in this in this movie. Previously, they were just going to send Ron Perlman up there and he was going to blow up a nuke and and send the, you know, send the comet slightly off course, let it go through the cosmos uh, and show up again in another 10,000 years. But but this uh, this plan to crash it in the ocean, I liked it. I liked it, and uh, needless to say, it does not go well. Uh, so anyway, so the the whole the whole point of the movie is end of the world is coming. Nobody wants to do anything about it, and the people who are aware of it uh, and do want to want to do something about it want to do something really dumb about it. Um, on top of all of this, you have uh, what I think. I, th- I it, it you know this is this is a climate change movie right this is a climate change metaphor but it is also a satire of the Trump era I think that is very uh, fair and obvious uh, what's going on here the Meryl Streep is playing a Donald Trump like figure her followers are uh, kind of car- caricatured as you know idiot rubes who are just told not to look up that's where the title of the movie comes from don't look up. And look at the yeah. uh, move on the, with your day to day lives. You know the giant uh, comet that is that is hurtling towards us, which leads me to one of my first problems with this movie. And so I like we, I didn't hate it as much as some of as some of the critics seem to have hated it. There were a lot of very very scathing reviews that dropped when the uh, when the the uh, when the the embargo was up. Um, but it 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 is unfocused. And it isn't focused in ways that like suggest that you know somebody somebody at Netflix, the studio that produced it, should have sat down and had them just tighten it up like thirty percent. So, for instance, uh, the the title of the movie itself, "Don't Look Up," that's what that's what the president tells the people when the comet is actually visible in the sky. Don't look up. Don't look at this comet, except for the fact that she's already been running. Uh, ads and 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 messaging that says we're going to crash the comet into the earth. That's going to create a bunch of jobs. And there, and like I, it's just it's just a very basic thing that's a tension with itself within the movie that kind of underscores the fact that they are fire. There's there there's so much anger and fire in this movie at so many different targets that it can't help but contradict itself in a number of places. Yeah, I mean it definitely is uneven, and that was my first comment uh, after I went to get to get to see it. We can talk about this in a minute, but I did get to see it in a, in a live movie theater, which brought me a lot of joy. And so I think that I'm going to grade it here on a nice curve of I was just so happy to be back in a movie theater um, and I forgot how much I enjoyed being in movie theaters. Um, and so uh, uh, 
it didn't bother me as much as maybe it might have if I was, you know, back in the days where I was going once or twice a week or once or twice a month to the movies. But um, it, it was definitely uneven. It, w- it was not just, you know, the, the the don't look up part. I mean, the, it kind of makes sense in that in that Meryl Streep was, uh, who you know, is playing the president, you know, initially in, in kind of one of the funny lines, um, you know, says to the scientists that, like, we're just going to wait and assess. Yeah. We're just going to hold <laughs> and assess after they report to her that the Earth's coming to an end in six months. Uh, you know, we're going to wait till after the midterms, uh, which which is uh, I think pretty funny yeah. and pretty well done. And then you know she kind of goes there- to oh into war mode, like I'm going to yeah. defeat the I'm going to defeat the comet. And then it's like oh we realize we can't defeat the comet. And then it's like let's go into lemming mode, right? Like don't look up. So it was a little bit inconsistent. I understand what you're saying. I, I just think generally speaking, you know, it was because of all the targets they were going after. It was kind of uneven in that it, it like lived in a little bit for me of a kind of uncanny valley between a total spoof, right? Like an idiocracy or something that like mm. says something about our society, but is like so, so far away from like what's happening in real life that like you can kind of appreciate the lesson at, while also just, you know, have not, it doesn't make you think about like what happened on the news last week. Um, and like a, um, what was it called? Wag the dog, right? Mm. Which was like kind of really like on the nose, you know, parrot, right? Like it sort of yeah. lived in like this uncanny valley between that. Where like sometimes, like some of the events that happened were like totally spoofy, like out of a Leslie Nielsen movie or something, yeah. like, you yeah. know, like completely ridiculous. And then like other things that happen, it's like, oh, this is a commentary on, you know, climate or what is just happening. I, I think part of the reason for that was just that the, to your point is that they were trying to do so many things. Another part is that I guess, and you're you're the expert here, but uh, it, I, I right they wrote it before the pandemic. It's like it was supposed yes. to be a climate thing, but then it ends up being like a pandemic. Like becomes well, very much a pan- on the nose pandemic thing. Which in some ways it's like, hey, credit to Adam McKay that like before the pandemic he he wrote a movie about how our society is not capable of addressing yeah. a major problem. But then on the flip side of that, like because of the pandemic, you know, I, I in my head I, I kept comparing. Oh, like this is how we dealt with COVID, and like that's how they're dealing with this in the movie, yeah. you know. And so it became more of a pandemic thing in my brain as I was watching it than a climate thing, which I think was just kind of bad luck. It it, it is it is very very interesting that you raise that point because one of the things I I, I note in my review is that there's a, there's a there's a moment in the film where uh, where the scientist who has been who is being played by Leonardo DiCaprio is co opted by the by the uh, the administration and is on TV telling people, you know, to trust the science. And right. and, and I was like, are they doing Fauci. a Fauci thing? He's doing Fauci. Is, yeah. is, is he doing a Fauci thing? But that that again, that's a problem for this movie, because it it it, it then you, you have a movie in which we are we are, you know, essentially we're told we we're told we need to trust the experts. And then it immediately shows the experts being co-opted by a government for political purposes, which is like not a left-wing argument this is not like i it is it is absolutely the sort of thing that you could see alex jones being like look at this look at this great movie satirizing the fauci era yes. i like it's 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 i it's saw very, when i was i searched twitter for some commentary on this uh, you know in the 30 minutes where we started this and i that that is out there like there were a, I, I saw a couple of anti-vaxxers yeah. That that like made that that made that very point. Um, yeah. So that was like a, how you can't tr- how, how you can't trust these folks. So so that it does become a problem. But I, I guess I just want to focus on the positive of it, which is like 
he does get a little bit he should get a little bit of credit like it's kind of amazing that like before the pandemic like he had written a movie that's like the basis of it was our government and the media that covers the government is completely incapable of handling an existential crisis right now like in the way that we yeah. and, and i'm gonna satirize that and then like a minute after he writes it it seems like like the pandemic happens i don't know exactly what the timeline is um that proves it. And in a lot of ways, I, you know, so again, it becomes a problem for the movie because you get in your head, but I'm sitting there watching it. And, and as, as much as he's, this is kind of becomes like the Veep problem in the Trump era. Like as much as he's trying to spoof politics, <laughs> like there are times when I, when I yeah. was actually thinking it actually would be worse than this. Right. I, you know, because like he's doing this whole like they can't survive this. Like it takes six, you know, this is coming in six months. And, you know, I'm sitting there watching this thinking about how the pandemic happened. And I was like, I think that things would completely collapse within three days. Right. Like, like that our, 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 you know, right. Our like culture and society right now is such yeah. that not in the way that he is, but like this notion that people would have, you know, that there'd been denialists and that other people just go along with their daily lives. And I just, I think based on our experience, Experience based on the pandemic like it's very clear that like that the wheels would have come off the bus the wheels well, the, would come the, off the bus very quick if we if we learned that that we're six months away from a from a comet hitting us yeah well there's there's like a riot outside of what is basically a bubba gump shrimp yeah, company right. uh and i was like no that's about what would happen i think right. that that is like the the chaos and general panic that would ensue uh, is about is about what would happen. I, I I'm I'm being more negative about this movie than than I I kind of intended to be because I do think it is it is funny. Um, I I there's this very there's this there's a very funny running gag in the movie about a uh, general who charges uh, the scientists for free snacks in the uh <laughs> so in the good. white house break room <laughs> so and it was good. just like that that is like the perfect that's the perfect absurdist touch and yeah. they they do a good they do a good job with it throughout i think jonah hill is hilarious in this movie i i am generally a fan of his but like i don't think he has been this funny since probably wolf of wall street um which he is he's very very good in uh it's kind of his wolf of wall street character very similar. It's very similar. Yeah. And and uh, Jennifer dumber. Lawrence and and Leonardo DiCaprio also very good in this. I they, they I, I like all of the individual performances. Ron Perlman's insane, like uh, old man astronaut, uh, <laughs> is 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 wonderful. I just it it is it is funny, but I don't know that it's funny enough. But you know, satires don't have to be funny, right? Satires can can be a little little more cutting and a little darker. And I do think and look. This movie is this movie is not quite focused enough. It's not quite tight enough. But I do think the final m- moments. And I won't. I don't want to spoil it here, so I'm going to be very careful what I say. But the final moments uh, with the family at the dinner table talking to each other is actually like kind of incredibly poignant, um, and and uh, and and very moving. My wife. My wife. I watched it with my wife. She was deeply touched by this. She was like like kind of wrecked for a day afterward, uh, just by by wow. how. How poignant that! Well, that's that all because was. of what Timmy brings to the picture. Obviously, I mean, Timmy. <laughs> we brings, have not even he, mentioned uh, Timmy Shamalai comes Timmy. in at literally the eleventh hour, and um, and brings and brings. Uh, I think the poignance. Uh, he is. He plays a ostensibly kind of like you know druggy skater 
bro who's like handsome and uh and jennifer lawrence like it's like the end of the world is coming so i might i might as well sleep with this guy who seems like terrible marriage material but is a handsome druggy skater bro and then so she sleeps with him yeah and then it turns out he kind of has all this depth right and then like he sort of he sort of brings the depth to that final scene or is one of the people that brings the depth to the final scene i I will just say so about this so this was my my favorite performances but which also kind of show why the movie is a little bit uneven were Leo and Jennifer. And then Timmy comes in late, obviously Timmy. God, if I, right. I could have well, we, seen his we butt. We talk more about Timmy in a second. I could have seen his butt, but besides that really perfect <laughs> performance. Um, but uh, Jennifer and, and Leo's, their arc, I, I think feels very human. Right. And that's why yeah. that end scene really works. Right. Like, yeah. like, what, like, whereas a lot of the other characters don't. I, and I feel like that's, again, why the movie kind of is uneven because they're, and maybe that's what they're going for. Right. But like some of these characters are very spoofy. But, but, but the humanity of the movie is in Leo and, and, and Jennifer Lawrence's arc. Like they discover this, you know, the comet that's heading to us. And then they sort of go through all these phases. Right. Like, uh, that's why the joke that you said that the running joke about how like Jennifer Lawrence cannot get over the fact that this general like, like took five bucks for her from, from break room snacks she can't get over it the whole movie and it's like that feels like a human response right like yeah. there's six months left to live and like I'm just trying to deal with all of this and I'm having an emotional breakdown but I'm trying to save the world at the same time but like how am I coping with this well I'm gonna have this fling with the handsome boy and I just like I'm gonna really obsess over this one little thing that annoyed me right like that's in a funny way like that feels human Leo's arc, he's this nerdy scientist type. You know, he goes in, he briefs the president, he becomes kind of quasi famous. All of a sudden, he becomes a sexy scientist, right? Online. And like, you can see him get like enamored with the fame. And then he goes through my other funniest part of the movie is Leo goes through this arc where he then becomes obsessed with his Twitter mentions, which also <laughs> yes, seems right. A, like, right, like, a very like, funny guy. Yeah, like, with, like three that months hit a left little, to live. A little, a little close, close to home. home. It hit really but, close to know. home, but I was like, <laughs> I was like, you nailed me. You know, this would be me. Like, I'm trying to save the world. Owned. And also, I don't know why you know like angry twink 420 is mad at me online right like at the same time so like that uh was really good and then they both you know sort of at the end again without kind of giving away sort of come back to like their roots and the things that they really care about right and so i I felt like both of like their arcs were really well written and sometimes that came in conflict with like the meryl streep you know sort of fake donald trump you know, woman Donald yeah. Trump character, and even Jonah's character, who who did have some funny moments, but like who was so preposterous, you know that that like at times yeah. when they were together, I was like, uh, I was, uh, you know, it almost like felt like they were think, a little bit from different movies. I mean, I, I do think you can make that. I do think you can basically make that work uh, if you have if you have Jennifer and Leo being the straight the straight people, right. straight men throughout, and then uh, have everybody around them being ridiculous. The the right. plot just needed to be tighter. It just yeah. needed, they needed to bring it, they needed they needed to trim about 20 minutes of extraneous stuff out, get about, get rid of about 20, 25 pages of that script, get it, get it a little tighter, um, and then, uh, and then get it out there. I, I, I yeah, I, like I said, I'm, I'm very mixed on this. I'm, I'm mixed, uh, probably slightly mixed negative, but it's a, it is not, um, it's not, it, it is, it, uh, well, let me, let me put it this way. It's almost exactly the movie I expected it to be, which is angry and hectoring. It is absolutely like an angry, 
kind of ranty you, sort of movie. You don't think but, a little less though than like Vice? Like to me, it felt like McKay like tried to at least internalize. I, I have no idea. I don't know Adam McKay, yeah. but like I felt like the movie like dialed it back a little bit on that. Like they, you know, it was. They they tried to like Streep was clearly a trumper, but like they had some Clinton gag in there, you know, to try to make her to try to like make it less you know over the top that she was a Republican president. Like they had a picture with her and Bill Clinton, and like they go out and I picture of picture of Trump and Clinton. That's true. I think he's I think Uh, he's making a point that I think. I do think he's making a a point that this is a bipartisan problem, but it is very specifically a Trump like figure. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, But like the. The the media figures like we haven't talked about as much, um, which uh, uh, you know that do the morning show thing, like that could have easily Tyler been Perry Fox. And Kate and, yeah, ta- yeah, that could have e- easily been Fox and Friends. Yeah, right. And like yep. it wasn't. Like it was right. like, like they, it was very much more like making fun of just the unseriousness of the media and like the unabil- inability to focus on things that matter. So uh, yeah, it was it was I would say I don't know hectoring feels a little much to me. I didn't, feel, strong, I didn't feel. Hectored. I didn't feel hectored. I I I felt, you know, like they were, that that it was at least attempting to have it be a broader critique, in a way that it that was a little goofier. That so it didn't bother as much. I will say I have TDS, right? So making well, fun of have a rally, of us, you know, making fun of, of Trump a Trumpers at a rally and about how they're not going to look up. Um, that didn't bother me. <laughs> Maybe uh, to me, it felt like a pretty, pretty fair critique. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've, I've watched the uh, anti-vax rallies that have been happening lately. Um, didn't seem too far afield from that, so yeah. that didn't bug me in a way. Maybe the the Bush stuff did a little bit more from Vice, so maybe there's an element of that too. But it didn't feel quite as quite as hectoring as as Vice. I, I, it's funny. I actually kind of liked Vice, but I liked it for, for you liked it in weird ways, reasons. right? Like he, uh, like yeah. McKay was trying to, trying to insult <laughs> Cheney, but you kept taking it as a compliment. I was like, Look, if you just if you just watch what's happening on the screen, he's a loving father, father hard worker, uh, wants to protect America from America's enemies. So I mean, I like I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be angry about when I'm watching Vice. It doesn't make any sense to me that this is uh, as I I think I wrote I think the subheadline of my review back in you know 2017 or whenever it came out was uh, the superhero origin story of the year. Uh, so I'm <laughs> I'm pro I'm pro Vice. I'm pro Adam McKay. Adam, we love you here. Um, uh, the, the, yeah, so you saw this in a theater. That's very exciting I to me. I was so as excited. You, as you know. Yeah, I went to see French Dispatch first in a theater. So it wasn't the first thing I saw. I got to see a screener of this one in a theater of, uh, of Don't Look Up. So it was a quasi-empty theater, um, which is also nice. Um, uh, but I saw French Dispatch, and I just have to tell you, I was so charmed walking out of French Dispatch. I forget. It, so for movies, for you, is concerts for me, right? Like the mm-hmm. first opportunity I got back from, you know, getting you know getting my my second shot, and you know, however many days after that, like like Tyler and I literally scheduled a flight to go see a concert somewhere for a band <laughs> that we liked. Like that's what I that was my gift to myself. End of the yep. pandemic. So you know, I, I and I've, I've seen a bunch since then, and I've been really enjoying that. But so movies have always been more of a secondary or tertiary love of mine, and so. I, I did, and then I also had a kid right before the pandemic. So like, I haven't. I, I said I was like, I don't think I had been in a movie theater in like three years before French mm. Dispatch, or like two and a half years. Um, you know, because you just it's hard to go to the movie theaters yep. when you got a baby, right? Um, yes. So you have a baby, then you have a pandemic, and I hadn't been forever. And you know, you you do just sort of. I did just sort of forget 
you know, uh, part of it is like having the phone be away. Part of it is the kind of communal experience of hearing the other people laugh. You know, all the things not to get cloying, but all the things that like towards the before the pandemic, that you'd be like, oh, this annoys me. These people were laughing too loud or whatever. I, I'd like I'd regained an appreciation for that. Um, you know, uh, uh, and so I, you know, I, I kind of have, I, I feel like I might have this movie renaissance coming when I'm, I'm, I'm like having a flashback, you know, back to when I was like 19, 18, right before I had a fake ID or 19. And so like we couldn't go to bars and stuff. And so every weekend all my friends would just like go and get high. Sorry, mom. And then like go to an art theater and like, that's, you know, that is my peak of movies. Uh, so whatever yeah. year that is like, Oh, one, Oh two, whatever. So it's can, like, yeah, it's yeah. like 2000. 2001 yeah i can there. tell I, that, that that is my best rest of movie years and i kind of feel like i, I want to have like a renaissance of that of, of those of those times because it was uh it was really lovely to be able to get out and kind of separate from it and um and you know i i you just the the amount of engagement with a movie when you're there is also really wonderful yeah right uh yeah. because like at home like even on the movies i really like like at some point i'm gonna look at twitter at some right. point i'm gonna look at twitter during the movie right and like i don't do that at theater and i, I do i just forgot that is not true actually i'd seen one right before the pandemic so i'd seen one movie in theater in like three years um which was oh my god i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna miss i'm gonna forget what it was called what was the movie that won best picture of the korean movie parasite oh parasite, parasite. <laughs> and literally I, did, I knew nothing about it i was on a work trip and so I was away from my child and like went and work meeting ended early and I just walked to the theater and picked like the art theater and just picked whichever movie was up next. And so I knew nothing about Parasite. I didn't know that it was subtitled. And like when the end of Parasite like happened, <laughs> I was like looking around the theater. I was by myself looking at the theater. I was like, oh my God, what in the fuck is happening in this movie? So like that was a really memorable and good, good, uh, good in theater experience as well. It's like my last three in theater experiences have all been really you know kind of magical and sunny-esque yeah you gotta well if if dune is coming back to the imax you got to complete your chalamet trilogy with dune. this year you've seen french dispatch yeah. don't look up you gotta get you gotta get uh dune in there he was so charming in both of them and uh so i just don't dune is not like my style of movie like french dispatch is my style of movie uh don't look up um i'm looking for, I, I, I he's not does he get a bit role in licorice pizza or whatever it's called i don't i don't think so i don't think he's okay. in i think that'll pizza. be I, don't, I think that'll be my next in theater i am a stereotypical elder millennial white and i will be seeing my wes anderson <laughs> pt you're seeing both movies. andersons i will see both i will, anderson. see, I will see both andersons and i will see and uh, McKay. My McKay. <laughs> i uh i no. i wait your point your point about theaters being a place where you can actually just focus on the movie is my number one argument when i talk to people about the importance of movie theaters because like i I have a very nice tv at home i've got a sound bar that you know sounds good and uh it doesn't you know the the picture is not as big and it doesn't replicate the you know kind of all-encompassing sound of a theater but it's good enough it's good enough the big big difference is very simply being in a situation where i am cut off from the rest of the world where i'm not uh, tempted to you know see what is what's happening on Twitter or check my Slack or check my email or check my text messages you know like the 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 shit never stops it never even stops just hear and, other people in your house you know it's like or, I, why yeah. I quit yoga during this time like I was like Zoom yoga is horrible like I can't yeah. get into the mindset. You know, the mindfulness, like when my child is running around downstairs yelping, <laughs> you right. know, like it's, uh, it's, it's the same as that, right? Like even if you, even if I, I'm trying to think, uh, there, there are one or two movies 
that I really wanted to watch during the pandemic uh, uh, that I like did kind of set my phone down. But even still, like you know, you can't separate yourself. There's an enchantingness of of walking into theater, being next to strangers. So when people walk out, kind of looking around to see what they all thought about it. Yeah, and there's something. There's also something to have to to having control being taken away from you, uh, in the sense that like being unable to pause a thing to go to the bathroom, right? Right? Is like I know I know that's a that's like for a lot of people that's a big strike against movie theaters. Like I want to be able to want to be able to pause it so I can go to the bathroom. But I like I actually like just being able. Like I like I like having to force myself to to be like nope, sitting here, and we're watching this thing. We're just doing it. Uh, you know. I'm with you on that, and I think that that will continue to become more stark as like as we become more phone addicted. Um, not you know like generationally, I don't know. I, I don't know. JVL was like big on like the end of the movie theaters at the beginning of the pandemic, and you know JVL yeah. is always right and very predictive. But I there's there was something, and here in Oakland, uh, you know, obviously people are pretty pandemic cautious. So even like I went to see French Dispatch on a Friday night. We got a babysitter. It's so like I'm going to the theater. It was seven o'clock prime time, and it was like three quarters full. You know, it was maybe yep. the second weekend, right? So it was the type of thing Are you they... think would have been full pre-pandemic. So, so maybe I'm wrong about this, but it does feel like like sort of, you know, maybe there'll be fewer movie theaters, but the more experiential thing, you buy your ticket, like those types of theaters, right? You have your seat, you know, you have your beer. It feels like that'll that there'll be like a little bit of a renaissance of that, but maybe that's wrong. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I, 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 I'm curious. In Oakland, do they still do? Uh, are, is there like buffer seating? Do they have spaces between the seats? Are you required to wear masks? What's what's what are um, the actual? I, you know, the mask thing is um, not required right now. Um, I would say that masking again. And for don't look up. There were like six of us in there, so I don't. I didn't. Mm-hmm. We all sat so far apart. I don't know. Um, I, I would say that I stood out with my lack of masking inside mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, when I saw the French dispatch, maybe that was, you know, just me having Catholic guilt or, you know, being anxious or whatever, <laughs> but I, I felt like I was, I had stood out a little bit. Um, I, I would say the majority of people were masked, a, hel- a healthy majority of people were masked in the, um, in, in the French dispatch. I don't know. I've not gone to, to a movie that's like one of those where you like buy a ticket and have a seats to see if there is seating. I find that yeah. preposterous. I just, I will say I have all of our pandemic theater stuff. Like this annoys me about airplanes too, you know, where it's like, like you go and sit in the, uh, in the lounge beforehand. And like, they have like the lounges now, like you can't sit any, you know, they have like, Oh, we have to have one yeah. table distant. And I'm like, is this yeah. really, I was like, what is the science around this here? Like we're all, yeah. there's no windows open. We're all in a closed room in the airports. Right. Like right. me is one table you're all distance masked, right? really I mean, going to do it. Are, uh, and air- airports still require people to mask indoors. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, right. as, as best as I, I've been on an air- airplane a couple times. Yeah. Uh, when you're eating I'm or drinking, like always wearing my mask. Um, right. So, uh, so yeah, it was, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was mostly people masked, but it's not like they had like mask police or whatever. And like indoor, um, you know, indoor is optional. And if you're vaccinated um, here, um, it's optional. Yeah. So uh, it was, I, I didn't, besides like a little bit of paranoia about it um, at, towards the beginning, um, I did not let it b- bother me. French Dispatch was so charming and lovely uh, that I, um, you know, I, 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 it was it was a good experience regardless. Yeah. Uh, well, good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you're getting back to the theaters. We gotta. We gotta save these these wonderful little buildings. 
from uh, from from being destroyed by this disease. Yeah, I'm for it, man. What else do we have? Do we have any other? Can we, do we have any other Tim Sunny? What What are you watching right now? Is there anything else we're overlapping on? I'm on Dope Sick and Succession. I, You're neither of those. Uh, I'm not. I'm not watching Succession. I gotta. I I uh, tried to. I watched the first episode, uh, and my wife wasn't into it. And it's hard for me to watch a like full television show. Uh, like to catch up on a full television show um, that is uh, that is just a me project as opposed to a us project, you know. Really, you know, you don't want to. We have we have, that, we have separate television time. tastes in our home, so um, you know we have some some us projects, and then you know three nights a week we're we're trading back and forth between the bed, who gets the bed, and who gets the couch <laughs> as far as yeah. uh, going over our own us projects because Tyler wants yeah. to watch a little bit of reality and some superhero shows. And I, you know, want to just impale myself with pain. Um, watching You're not things watching like Hawkeye? Sick. No, I don't even know watching. what that. I don't even know what that is. Okay. Uh, no. So he, he and you might be able to overlap on a few, <laughs> on a few shows. But uh, I, I retire to the bedroom and turn on very, very sad, depressing, you know, dramas. Yeah, that, prestige that makes dramas. Sense. That that makes sense. No, I, I want to catch up on Succession, uh, so I can, so I can take part in the discourse on Twitter. You it's know, so I good. Want, I, I will just say this for the listeners who, are, who made it this long, who do want a quick succession take. Um, there, this is not really. There, I won't do any spoilers, but this season has been so good, and the most recent episode, I forget what what episode number we're on. If people um, are trying to Google, is is probably the best single episode of TV that I've seen, which was so needed because two episodes ago. They had, and this was kind of similar. I, I want to bring this up because it's sort of similar to the "Don't Look Up" in the in this kind of uncanny valley thing that fails for me. Mm. Is they had, you know, obviously the main characters in discussion are basically the Murdochs, and um, and you know, the, they have a there is a presidential resignation, and so like they're trying to determine who the next Republican, you know, nominee president is going to be. I guess uh, I forget whether the, they're coming up on the convention. Like the candidate drops out before, like during the campaign. So it'd be like if Trump had dropped out during pussy tape, right? So it's like, what do you yeah. do? Like, does Pence get it? Do you like have another convention? Where you, so, so they're having this conversation, and it is just so hacky and un, you know, and like the the mocking. I'm hey, I'm all here for mocking the Republicans yeah. and stuff, but like it's so unrealistic and how it would have happened. And you know, it's exactly what you would imagine a Hollywood person like thinks goes on behind the scenes. It was like very. They did not learn at all from Veep about the truth of our politics. Like it was a very House yeah. of Cardsy effort. And I was so annoyed. And I was like, if this is like a multi episode arc, where I have to, you know, I was like, I might have to quit the show. And I, I was like, that was my most disappointing. <laughs> episode and so that they went back to what they know they've gone back to the family drama and um really really phenomenal all right uh well thank you very much for uh hopping on to talk uh, don't look up tim i appreciate it uh, i've got a review up on the website today uh so go i haven't read it uh, i will go read, read it right now yeah, well, uh, it's uh it's it's up there go read it i also talked about red rocket which is uh, i i I don't know if you'll love Red Rocket, uh, Tim, but is it is actually another movie that is very much about the Trump era, just but not about Trump, uh, except for the fact that the main character may or may not be a an emotional stand-in for Trump. You should you should see that too. I think Red you, it, it works it works nicely in the uh, art house milieu. 
okay. that you uh, are are uh, familiar and comfortable with. Uh, it's it's on it's in New York and L.A. right now. It should be in in other cities uh, next weekend. Uh, well, so. I do like staying in my comfort zone. So I'm googling Red Rocket right now. <laughs> Thank you for the tip. Okay. All right. Uh, I will be back next week with another episode of The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. I'll see you guys then. Later, homie.